Hey, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. <laughs> uh, Mark Simone here. To my great surprise, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't sound lost and confused. I'm not Joe Biden. Don't worry. I don't. I don't have a Joe Biden problem. I. Uh, uh, I'm not supposed to be here. It's like 15 minutes ago. I don't. I made the terrible mistake of living within uh, a few blocks of the studio. So, uh, and I was running around all day. I did my own show this morning, WOR in New York, and uh, then I had all kinds of appointments. And I was doing this and doing that and doing. Finally, I got home, sat down, and I went to the best takeout place in Manhattan. And I just opened this up. You could just smell the. Uh, and just then the phone rings, and it's Linda. Uh, you got to fill in for Sean. So here I am. And you know what it means to fill in for Sean Hannity? It means uh, they couldn't find Greg Jarrett. It means Dan Bongino was busy. It means, uh, but no, actually. First a, of all. Uh-oh. Uh, no, it, it's a great honor to always fill in for Sean. We got lots to talk about. We'll get to President Trump. We'll get to uh, impeachment, uh, uh, this uh, fake pretend impeachment. We'll get to Hillary and uh, the Ukraine and uh, quid pro whatever and uh, all that stuff coming up. So just to get you up to date, you know, they're pretending to do this impeachment. It's not an actual impeachment because you'd have to actually vote that in. This is uh, it's an inquiry to do an inquiry. It's a half a fake a pretend impeachment. So and I didn't realize this. You know, we know that they're doing these witnesses in secret. The testimony is secret. The testimony is not released. Why is that? That's because it's not damaging. So uh, believe me, if it was damaging, the, they would be leaking it out immediately to the Washington Post or the New York Times. So uh, that's been the complaint. The word lynching was used, as it's always used in impeachments. It was used in uh, 1998 by Biden, by Nadler, by all the Democrats. What lynching means is, uh, it's not a racial thing, because if you check the actual 1800s and all the lynching statistics, it's pretty much white, black, evenly divided. What a lynching means is uh, there's no trial, no jury, no charges. It's done in secret. It's done in the middle of the night. Uh, It's not open, the proceedings. No one knows what the actual charge. So that's what they mean by that. So we all knew this was a secret testimony, Soviet-style secret witnesses, but we didn't know they were actually doing the testimony in what's called a SCIF, uh, S-C-I-F. I can't remember. Secret Compartmentalized Information Facility. Now, you might say, well, they just call it the secret room, but it's government, so you have to have a f- name with all these initials. So a SCIF is where the most top secret documents are placed. In other words, if the most classified secret document on Earth uh, needs to be read by Congress— They'll take it to, they have a couple of these rooms in the Capitol building, this skiff. It is the most secure room imaginable. You, it, it takes forever to get into this room. you got to get frisked, search. There's all this technology in the room that will knock out your cell phone. You can't get any reception, any signal. You can't take a phone in there. You can't photograph anything. It's the most secure. This is where you're going to read these documents. They'll put it in the document in the skiff, and then each congressman can come in and look at it and leave. So apparently they've been using these skiffs for the testimony, which is absolutely, first of all, preposterous, second of all, unheard of. Never in history have they had witnesses go into the skiff to testify. This Now, what's the reason to keep these uh, uh, witnesses and their testimony so top secret? Because it might not be damaging. It might actually exonerate the president. So you have to keep it totally secret. 
If it was really damaging, again, they would uh, they would leak it to the New York Times and the Washington Post five minutes after it was over. So uh, a number of congressmen stormed the uh, skiff. Uh, do we know who exactly? Uh, it was a group of 30 of them, actually. 30 congressmen. Led by Matt Gates. Matt Gates, who's always uh, heroic in these matters, led this group uh, in there. And uh, Adam Schiff did what Adam Schiff does, which uh, when you catch him, he turned and ran uh, with the witnesses. He took all the witnesses and they ran away and hid. And that's the end of that. So I don't know what this is going to all come to. Uh, the claim, uh, because all these guys, these congressmen showed up to disrupt this or stop this, and they'll claim that they were had their phones with them, and you got to be frisked and searched and your phone ticked before you can go in a skiff. So they'll claim that was the reason they all had to run, because guys with phones came into the, into the skiff. But speaking of phones, excuse me, that's me. <laughs> the studio is not a skiff, obviously. Yeah, that's me. So uh, I'm trying to think. Did I have anything I had to do this afternoon? No, you guys are lucky. I had nothing to do and was sitting a couple blocks away. So this is perfect. So we'll see what happens. We're going to have uh, all kinds of guests throughout the uh, afternoon. We'll bring you the latest on this skiff. So uh, I'll tell you the truth. A lot of uh, inner circle Trump types are a little worried. They're not worried about Donald Trump. He's done nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong. We can go over this in detail, all the things that they're accusing him of. And investigating are absolutely harmless. He's totally innocent. But they're starting to worry that, uh, you know, first you got one problem. Uh, Democrats are so far into this process that even if they wanted to, they can't back down. It won't look good. You get this far, you got to finish it. So uh, they may try to actually do an impeachment. There's no charge of any kind that would be valid. But you know Adam Schiff. You've uh, seen this character. You've seen these uh, slimy swamp snakes, this uh, Nadler and Schiff and uh, uh, Pelosi and Schumer. Normally not so bad, but now they're just horrible. They've gone off the deep end the last couple of years. So they'll they'll take anything and just uh, uh, charge him with something. Uh, quid pro quo. You could start there, but there's no quid pro quo. You can prove, first of all, there was no quo. You got a quid and a pro, but the quo never happened. The money was obviously transferred. And the money was given. You have another problem. Uh, the whole idea of foreign aid is quid pro quo. That's what foreign aid is. Why, why do you think – I mean, just stop and think, why would we send billions of dollars to all kinds of countries all over the world? You know, like uh, we're a radio network. There's other radio networks that don't do as well. This radio network is number one, and the number two is like a million miles back. And then there's like a number three and a number four. There's networks that nobody, they don't have any list. We don't send them money. We don't say, oh, they're not doing as well. We'll have to give them aid. We, no, who gives aid to other countries you're competing with? You do it in exchange for something, for cooperation, for help when you need it. Uh, we do it all the time. And, and, you know, I could see if it was a brand new country. They're just trying to form Israel. They can't get started. Or after the Iraq war, they're trying to get, you give them some aid. But you, you, Mexico is a major country. It's, uh, why would we be sending them aid? Why do we send Ukraine aid? Uh, it's in exchange for things. And it's perfectly normal for a country to help us with an investigation. It happens all the time. You know, when Mueller was investigating uh, during his two-year investigation, 13 times he went to a foreign country to get help with an investigation or to get evidence from them. 1998, Bill Clinton signed an agreement with the Ukraine you can read the agreement. Go online and read it. He signed an agreement with them that they would always help us with investigations when we needed it. So it's perfectly normal. There's no 
possible charge there. But again, people are starting to worry. The, the Democrats will just they'll just charge him anyway. What about the idea of Rudy Giuliani, uh, a private citizen over there uh, working on behalf of the State Department or negotiating on behalf of the president or investigating on, on behalf of the president? Doesn't that sound a little strange, private citizen Rudy Giuliani over there? No, every president has done this constantly. It's standard procedure. Uh, remember when Bill Clinton was president, he sent Jimmy Carter over to negotiate for him. Carter, at the time, a private citizen. Uh, he used him on a number of the most critical uh, negotiations. Remember Bosnia sent Carter over as his negotiator, a private citizen. A lot of people used Kissinger when he was a private citizen. Hey, I hate to bring up the Clintons, but they had some of the shadiest characters negotiating and running foreign policy for him, private citizens. Remember Sidney Blumenthal? Uh, and then she becomes Secretary of State. She brought this guy back, this Sidney Blumenthal. So a private citizen over there investigating, negotiating. for It's done all the time, so there's no charge there. But that may not stop them. They may actually try to just they'll just charge him and see what happens. So, uh, and you know, as far as these two guys that got arrested, these two Ukraine, whatever they are, uh, they were arrested, U.S. attorney, but it has nothing to do with Rudy Giuliani. Nothing. They made a lot of massive uh, campaign contributions, and they apparently they're being accused of lying on the form about where they got the money. This has nothing to do with anybody, and every candidate in history has had situations like this. Somebody donated money. Turns out it came from uh, out of the country or something. It looks like that's what they were disguising, was coming from out of the country. But uh, that, that has nothing to do with Rudy Giuliani. Now, people will say, well, wait a minute. They hired him as a lawyer, and they had business before the government. Well, that's when you hire somebody. If you had no business before the government, why would you be hiring somebody? You wouldn't need anybody if you didn't have any business. And this is done all the time. Again, the Clintons, every, every administration has these guys out there, these uh, consultants, lawyers, whatever they are. You hire them, and they have a good relationship with the government. The Clintons had a whole mess of these guys. Remember Vernon Jordan and all these guys? Nobody, Vernon Jordan was a lovely guy. Nobody knew what the hell this guy did for a living. In fact... On his taxes, I don't know how he even answered that first question. Occupation. Nobody knew what he did, but you paid him a fortune, and he took you into the White House, and you got whatever you needed. So this is perfectly common. There's nothing here, nothing to charge, but people are starting to worry. They'll just start. Sometimes prosecutors do this. You just make up a bunch of charges. It won't work, but who knows? Mueller did that. He just charged people with 50 things. Maybe you hope two of them will stick. Anyway, we'll take some calls, too. 1-800-941-SEAN is the number. Uh, 1-800-941-SEAN. Hey, follow me. I was going to say follow me on Twitter. Uh, but every time I get another 1,000 followers, they take away 1,000. Everybody's been going through this. Yeah, Sean, everybody. On, I keep asking. Is there shadow ban you? There, uh, this, but it's Mark Simone, NY at Twitter. Uh, hey, follow me on Instagram. I, they don't shadow ban me there. I don't know. They haven't figured out how to do that yet there. Hey, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Mark Simone here. Sean uh, is in, actually in California. He'll be on tomorrow. He'll be back. Uh, lots to talk about today. Uh, I, I said to check out my Instagram. Did you see those Mitt Romney pictures up there that I have? I'm just telling you, something is coming with Mitt Romney. Uh, you know, I can understand you have a secret account. A lot of people do that. A lot of lot of uh, famous people have a secret account with a phony name. That way they can uh, follow people they want to follow or, you know, keep an eye on things. Uh, but the name Pierre Delecto, uh, something is up there. Something is up there. You know, if you, let's say you were going to have a uh, anonymous uh, 
uh, Twitter account. What would you put? John Fredericks, uh, Fred Johnson. Uh, I mean, there's a million names. Carlos Danger. Now, what did that tell us? Uh, told us what kind of person we're dealing with. That was Anthony Weiner, who uh, picks a porn star sort of name. Now, this Mitt Romney looks like the most buttoned-down, straight-laced guy. Pierre Delecto, I'm just telling you, keep an eye on this. Something's coming. We have not heard the last of Pierre Delecto. And his excuse said, well, I just wanted to keep an eye on what was being said and uh, follow the uh, conversation on social media. But you notice there's a woman or two, one named Jennifer, where uh, he's writing back and forth with that Jennifer. What was that all about? You can follow the conversation. You don't have to write back and forth with uh, Jennifer. I'm just telling you, Pierre Delecto, keep an eye on this. There's more to come. I'm just predicting this. Bear in mind, I'm the guy that announced the Matt Lauer situation months before it happened. Ethan, you remember that, right? Uh, That's another thing. (laughs) I love these NBC people. We had no idea. What a shock. Remember Savannah Guthrie went on the air that morning after they fired Matt Lauer. Her exact words, "Uh, uh, uh, I'm still trying to process this. Again, I posted it long before it happened. I knew all about it, and I don't even work there. They are two feet away from the guy. They they all knew about it over there at uh, NBC. And there's more to come over there. Uh, It would be great if it all tied together. turns out Pierre Delecto knew them. Uh, Anyway, let's take a call or two. Let's go to, uh, let's see, let's try to go to Ohio, the middle of America, the most important state uh, electorally. uh, And say hello to Geraldine. How you doing, Geraldine? Welcome to Sean Hannity. I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Let me check. Uh, Not bad, not bad. So what do you think? Hey, I am so tickled, tickled, tickled pink that some of our congressmen finally got off their duffs and went in there and stirred up the pot. I'm, I know that the Freedom Caucus guys work tirelessly uh, trying to get things done, and I know that there's been people sitting on their butts in Washington, some of our own, which I'm not very stinking happy about, but I am glad that it has finally maybe hit the fan and somebody's going to stand up and do something to help Trump. All right, Geraldine. Good point. Thanks for calling. Hopefully this is just round one. Hopefully this keeps up. You know, a lot of times you go, where the hell are these Republicans on on all of this? Why aren't they doing something? Uh, Now, uh, the Democrats have responded about the Republicans breaking into the uh, hearing, the secret hearing, and disrupting it. And they're describing it as a stunt. Nothing but a stunt. Now they go back to their stunt, which is this fake (laughs) pretend impeachment hearing. So uh, I don't know. So The problem is normally you got the media to jump all over this. You don't have that right now. You got these uh, Chuck Todd fake news people. Who uh, I mean, you look at this Adam Schiff for two years. He's on Meet the Press, and over and over and over again, they're saying to him, "Do you actually have actual hard evidence about Russian collusion?" "Yes, I do." Well, outside of the Mueller report, you have hard evidence. "Yes, I do." Soon as it's all over, have you? This has been uh, how many since Mueller uh, said nothing? Uh, six months. Adam Schiff is on every week with Chuck Todd. Never once does he say to him, hey, whatever happened to that evidence you had? What's the deal with that evidence you claimed you had? Nobody ever asks him. Look at this Hunter Biden situation. If this were anybody else, the New York Times had 10 reporters outside on his lawn. We want to know how you got the job. Tell us exactly what you did. Hey, we found out exactly what he did do for that company. It took a foreign news service to get it, but we'll get to that uh, in a moment. It's Mark Simone here for... 
Sean Hannity, 1-800-941-SEAN is the number. 1-800-941-SEAN. Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. We have every network up on the uh, all the different TV screens here. Look at this CNN. Trump claims credit uh, for Syria peace. <laughs> well, yeah, well, who else would get credit for it? He's the one negotiating. Uh, when it comes to uh, the Kurds in Syria, you know, all of the uh, swamp people, uh, suddenly the Kurds are our allies. We can't abandon the Kurds. They're our allies. You, if you asked them about three weeks ago about the Kurds, they wouldn't know who. Uh, suddenly the Kurds are our allies. They are our allies, and that's why we've been fighting for them every second for the last few weeks, fighting diplomatically for them, trying to guarantee their safety, trying to protect them. The vice president flying over there, the secretary of state flying to Turkey, negotiating a peaceful area for Syria. Uh, it looks like we've got a permanent ceasefire, but the president himself explaining, you know, nothing's really uh, permanent. Let's take a listen. Uh, cut one. My fellow Americans, I greet you this morning from the White House to announce a major breakthrough toward achieving a better future for Syria and for the Middle East. It's been a long time. Over the last five days, you have seen that a ceasefire that we established along Syria's border has held, and it's held very well, beyond most expectations. Early this morning, the government of Turkey informed my administration that they would be stopping combat and their offensive in Syria and making the ceasefire permanent, and it will indeed be permanent. However, you would also define the word permanent in that part of the world as somewhat questionable. We all understand that. But I do believe it will be permanent. I've therefore instructed the Secretary of the Treasury to lift all sanctions imposed on October 14th in response to Turkey's original offensive moves against the Kurds in Syria's northeast border region. So the sanctions will be lifted unless something happens that we're not happy with. Okay, that's the most thoughtful way to handle this. You couldn't handle this in a, in a better manner. If this were Barack Obama, the Nobel Committee would have just unanimously voted him a new peace prize. They would have rushed it over here and presented it to him this afternoon. He would be lauded as the greatest hero ever. Uh, it's President Trump doing this. So, uh, I, I mean, it's just comical. It's like you're dealing with five-year-olds. Whatever you do, they want the opposite. Uh, he abandoned our, our allies. This is terrible. How could he pull out? If he had done the opposite, three weeks ago he said, Did I, I think I'll send an additional five troops. They'd be screaming. He's a warmonger. He, why are we getting into this foreign conflict? So uh, he knows he can't win, but he's doing the right thing. You know, for all of this childish, this uh, uh, two-and-a-half, three-year temper tantrum, the country is doing very well. I mean, if you just stop listening to all the noise, it's actually one of the most successful presidencies ever in history. Uh, there's two things you want out of a president, peace and prosperity. You got both. I mean, the world is far more peaceful than it was during Obama, during Clinton. Uh, you don't have a war in Bosnia. You don't have uh, all, all of this fight. It's more peaceful than usual. And the economy is greater than ever. It is just booming you couldn't have a more successful presidency on both fronts. And despite all the tweeting and the tone or whatever you don't like, it's a pretty traditional uh, uh, presidency. In many ways, it's very traditional. It's a return to sort of an Eisenhower kind of uh, presidency. Everything's doing well. and uh, But you, uh, you've got this insanity that broke out. This uh, Again, the world's 
biggest, longest temper tantrum, all this fake news. Now, why the impeachment? Well, they talked about that from uh, one minute after uh, election night. So it was always coming at some point. Why now? Uh, I think because of the Democratic debates. You've had uh, how many of these debates now? Four of them, three or four of them. And they've looked at their candidates, and it's a real ship of fools. I mean, I think they've come to realize none of these people probably could get elected. None of these people could out-debate Donald Trump. Uh, you look at Joe Biden. Uh, I mean, he can get it maybe two sentences before it turns into gibberish and you don't know what he's saying. Looks lost. I mean, a deer in the headlights would think he looks like a deer in the headlights. I mean, just ridiculous. This this uh, doddering guy you know, trying to remember the end of the sentence. And then you got Elizabeth Warren, who looks like the worst nightmare teacher you ever had in high school, who just annoys and frightens everybody. Just this. Uh, remember the cartoon? She looks like the woman that had Tweety Bird, you know, with the granny glasses and all of that. So she, she's not going to get elected. Uh, who else is up there? Bernie Sanders, lovable guy, but a yelling, screaming, crazy old man. Uh, a, no shot. Nobody takes that seriously. Who else is there? Mayor Pete. Yeah, you know what? He's got talent as a candidate. He'll be a good candidate in 2024, 2028. Uh, but the, the problem with Mayor Pete, too gimmicky. You know, he's got this fake military experience, which isn't real. Uh, you, you know, he's, I don't know how long he's going to get away with that. He, he was the mayor of uh, South Bend. He had a lot of clout with the local uh, Army Reserve. And he had them arrange for him to take a desk job on a base in Afghanistan. So for a few months, he sat at a desk on a base. That's all he did. No military combat, anything, anything. That's why you, he cannot produce a picture of himself in uniform in Afghanistan. Uh, there's one, but never with a helmet on. You know, uh, military guys will tell you, you don't have a helmet on. You're not in any danger wherever you're standing. There's one picture of him in full military garb. But I checked into it. It's taken at the airport in South Bend. <laughs> so it's fake military experience. You notice he's very careful uh, on the stage around Tulsi Gabbard because she really did serve a couple tours of duty. Very careful not to bring that up around her. She's pretty good. But again, I mean, she's crazy with her left-wing views. But I'm talking about as a candidate, she's got a, uh, a ch- pretty good. But she got a chance in 2024, 28. Who else is out there? Cory Booker. Very nice guy. He's got an IQ of like, 80, maybe. 85, maybe. It's not going anywhere. Who else is there? <laughs> I forget. Oh, Kamala Harris. This woman, you think she looks good from a distance. Then you get up close and you look at her. She is the most dreary woman. She Look at her face. Look at pictures of her. She's got the most depressing look on her face. She just looks like she came out of a doctor's office and got some bad news. She just looks like the most depressing woman in the world. So you can't be like that. you got to be uplifting. Tom Steyer. This guy is fascinating, and nobody, none of the debate moderators asked him the question everybody's wondering about. You look at this guy. He looks deranged. He can't talk. You want to ask him, how the hell did you make a billion dollars? He really is inspiring to people because he seems to have nothing going for him, and he became a billionaire. I mean, if you were holding job interviews and that guy walked in with that personality, you wouldn't hire him for anything, but... Andrew Yang is the best of the bunch. Andrew Yang, he's, you know, don't, uh, you know, laugh at him because this guy made a lot of money in the tech industry, venture capitalist. He's uh, actually done things in real life. He's, you know, he's crazy liberal things, but he put together a program to help the homeless. Well, you know, things that actually did stuff, but, uh, uh, you know, he's so new at this. He's gimmicky and, uh, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, 
you know, he, he, he's got a future. Maybe he can't get himself together now, but in the future. Now, this Julian Castro, nice guy. Nobody takes him seriously. Just needed a Hispanic guy. Anybody, just stand there. One podium has to be a Hispanic guy. I thought Beto was. No, Beto is uh, for amusement. Beto is like the San Diego chicken. Uh, like, in between innings, you need a mascot to jump up and down on the dugout. And so then... Uh, they realize they need somebody. None of these people are going to make it. Now, this uh, Michael Bloomberg is always hovering around. He would love to do it. Uh, but in real life, he has spent, I, I would say, literally $20 million bucks, focus groups, polling, the most advanced polling in the world. And it's all showing always that he has no shot at all with the uh, most of the American public. He, he can do well in New York. Uh, New Yorkers can uh, understand a guy like that, Washington. But in the middle of the country, they've never seen a guy like that. He sounds like Thurston Howell III. He's like this uh, totally uh, out-of-touch elitist. You remember he tried running earlier in the year. He did uh, all the Sunday shows one week. Now, let me just – he was so ridiculous on these Sunday shows. I'm I'm not exaggerating. These are actual numbers. This guy has three planes, four helicopters, six boats. He has 42 cars and 11 houses. He was on Meet the Press saying that you should take the bus because you got to conserve. And it's just preposterous, ridiculous. So everybody just laughed him out of the race. He tried for about two weeks and gave up. I don't know how he comes back. He'd be, you know, he looks like he's the guy who has the cachet, the uh, gravitas to stand on the debate stage and tell off Donald Trump. Not really. He's the guy who he did a good job in New York as mayor. But it was mostly managing what Rudy Giuliani accomplished. It was Rudy that cleaned up the streets, got everything in order. All Bloomberg did was manage all of that. He also had the greatest police commissioner, Ray Kelly, who kept the streets safe. Had you taken Ray Kelly out of the mix, I don't know how popular Bloomberg would have been. But uh, Bloomberg, uh, on the debate stage, he did crazy things in New York. He passed a law on how much soda you're allowed to drink. You think I'm kidding. See, this is what I mean. Everybody thinks I'm making this up. He passed a law on how much so- what size soda you were allowed to order in a restaurant. So that's all Donald Trump has to do. What about the salt? The salt, yeah. He ruled on whether you could have salt or not. So that's all Donald, has to, uh, Donald Trump has to do on a debate stage, just say, this guy passed a law on how much soda you're allowed to drink. They'll tell you if you can put salt on. He'll let you know if you're allowed to put pepper on. It's just too much. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Okay, I forgot about this. He's also a guy, he looks like a very serious guy. He can be a clown at times. You remember he flew a giant block of ice to London? He wanted to do something on climate change with a giant block of ice. So he flew it there on a private plane. It cost hundreds of, half a million dollars to get this block of ice there and put more carbon into the air than anything. Hey, by the way, these climate change idiots are are pulling a bit of a scam on you. If you're really worried about climate change, there's a couple of things you need to focus on. They have pretty much perfected carbon capture technology. It's amazing stuff. It can pull the carbon out of the air. It's just been perfected. It's going to be some time before they can put it to mass use, but it'll solve the problem. Technology that can solve the problem. You ever hear any Democrat mention that? Seven-hour climate change debate? Nobody brought that up. Because uh, if it solved the problem with that stuff, uh, what happens to the funding, the money? They'd rather use the climate change as an excuse to ban stuff, regulate stuff, tax you. Now, what about that plastic in the ocean? This hasn't been perfected yet. 
but it's pretty close. They've got this technology you can take the plastic out of the ocean. They've done some test runs. All of them have been successful. This this kind of stuff will will solve the problem. Uh, but Democrats do not want you to focus on that. Nope, nope. The only way to solve it is taxes, banning, and regulation. Uh, that's where you need a guy like Bloomberg. He'll tell you how much soda. Uh, oh, 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 you want to put pepper on that? Uh, well, let me check the law on that. You want to get arrested for <laughs> putting salt on something? He's got no shot at all. So that's why the impeachment. That's why you got to do it this way. They can see that if they had a really great candidate and an unbelievable issue, you wouldn't need this impeachment stuff. But they don't. And that's why the fake impeachment. So, uh, hey, Greg Jarrett will be with us coming up. Uh, lots of good guests. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Follow me on Twitter, Mark Simone NY at Twitter. Oh, and follow me on uh, Instagram. Check out the Mitt Romney pictures on Instagram, Mark Simone NYC at, uh, at Instagram. Hey, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. He'll be back tomorrow, if not sooner. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, they hire somebody you don't like and you say, eh, I don't know about that guy. And then he does great. And you say, well, well, maybe he's doing great. This never happened with President Trump. I could understand why you didn't you didn't want him if you're a crazy Democrat or uh, you just didn't like his manner. or his But uh, it's a couple of years now. Things are going great. The economy, uh, the world situation is more peaceful than ever. Uh, things are going fine. You'd think you'd calm down. Everybody going nuts. Look at this columnist here. Uh, scandal in the Trump administration. He's only hiring people that seem to agree with him. What administration didn't do that? What, what, what did the Obama administration do? Hired people that agreed with him. That's what you're supposed to do. This just goes on and on. Look at this. NYC Bar Association. These are New York City lawyers, all liberals. You know, it's the middle of New York City, all these lawyers, mostly crazy liberals. New York City Bar Association. Attorney General Barr must recuse himself from the Ukraine matter. Now, I could click on this story and see what the reason is they think he should recuse himself. But should I? Do I care? I don't, what possible reason? Is he Ukrainian? Did he used to work in the Ukraine? Why would he recuse himself? Nah, I'm not even going to click and read. All right, here's Judge Judy, who I know in real life. She's a very nice woman, Judge Judy. Very fine woman. She has just endorsed Michael Bloomberg for president. But this is more of this stuff. They all... Uh, and I understand where she's coming from. It's like the big money donors. They want to go back to the way it was. Everything quiet. The president just does what he's told. The donors run everything. Uh, or in the case of Judge Judy, she's not a donor, but they just want it to go back to the way it was, where the president doesn't tweet. Uh, you know, and uh, remember, a presidential tweet used to be Obama tweeting, wishing all veterans a happy Veterans Day. That was a tweet, and that was it. So. That's why the donors are always pushing somebody. Some they're all the donors are mostly out of touch. They just, nobody misreads the public more than donors. That's why they were pushing Jeb Bush. That's why they're pushing Joe Biden. And now they want Bloomberg. It's safe. It's quiet. It's somewhere in the middle. They just want it to go back to the way it was. Hey, Greg Jarrett will be with us in the next hour. Don't go away. Oh, oh. <laughs> how do you like that? I read Have the, you not been here before? Yeah, I've been here a million times. This doesn't say, oh, I'm looking at the wrong place. I saw 5612. It's 5652. That means I got to talk for another 30 seconds. Oh, my God. So, uh, when we, hey, Greg Jarrett uh, can clear up a lot of things. Now, this emolument stuff, I'm going to ask him about this. Emoluments clause, you know it doesn't apply to a pre-existing business? We've had five presidents with pre-existing businesses, including George Washington. I'll ask him about that. It's really interesting. He'll explain that coming up. Don't go away.
Well, uh, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Now, Greg Jarrett, of course, you know well, and he's written a couple of great blockbuster books. The Russia Hoax was an amazing book. It got to the bottom of that whole Russia collusion nonsense. And his new book is out. It's called Witch Hunt, already a big bestseller. The president has tweeted about it. But you've got to get this book, Witch Hunt. I think he's secretly behind all this stuff. Uh, He's creating uh, all uh, new books for himself. But uh, I I think he created the Ukraine situation just so he can have another blockbuster next year. But get the book, Witch Hunt. It's phenomenal. It'll explain a lot of stuff to you. Greg Jarrett, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, Mark. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, Witch Hunt is a phenomenal book. Uh, congratulations on all the success. Uh, explain this. Uh, you mentioned this the other night, and it's something that's getting absolutely no coverage for obvious reasons. But the emoluments clause really cannot apply to a pre-existing business, can it? No, it can't. And the federal courts have have consistently ruled that way. Um, look, emoluments is essentially a, a bribe. But uh, what about people who um, go into public service, presidents, for example, who have, you know, well-established pre-existing businesses? And the courts have said that's fundamentally unfair to penalize them, to accuse them of breaching a duty or the Constitution um, simply because they were successful at doing other things. As long as while they're in office, they are not operating those benefits, um, in any way by leveraging their office, then it's not an emolument violation. So you're right, pre-existing businesses are not an emoluments violation. If it were otherwise, the first five presidents <laughs> of the United States would have been kicked out of office for violating uh, what they helped to write, the emoluments clause. Because, for example, George Washington, while president, he was, you know, cash poor, land rich. He rented out to the British huge parts of his Virginia estate, you know, Mount Vernon. So, you know, that's just another example. Uh, John Adams was a farmer. He continued to do Brit- business with the British and the French while he served as president of the United States because it was a pre-existing business. So this this is utter nonsense when people say, oh, abuse of power, violation of the Constitution, emoluments. That's just not true under the law. Now, uh, you know, and President Obama wrote a book. Uh, that was his business, actually. He made more money on that than anything at the time. And sure. once he got into office, you'd see his taxes, 400000 from being president, $1.2 million from his book. So he was profiting off that business while in sure. office. So, yeah, and, if, you know, Jimmy Carter, you know, owned a peanut farm that continued to operate. Yes, he, he put the holdings in a blind trust and didn't operate the business. Uh, This is a president who uh, has handed over his business to his sons. They're operating it. They've agreed to stop new business overseas. So, uh, you know, this this just isn't what the framers intended. Well, you should get Greg Jarrett's book. It's an excellent book, Witch Hunt. Have you started work on the new book, The Ukraine Hoax, yet? You know, as long as Trump is in office, there will be hoax after witch hunt after hoax. And, yeah, I mean, you could continue to uh, pound out books about it. But, you know, this the whole witch hunt was based on a pernicious lie that was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign for Russian disinformation. 
And the FBI, as I discovered in my book, and I poured through you know more than ten thousand documents and uh, heretofore secret testimony, and it turns out that the FBI never had any credible evidence. So they they shouldn't have launched the investigation to begin with. And James Comey himself admitted nine months later when the special counsel was appointed, there was still no evidence of collusion. And shortly after Mueller became special counsel, he admitted in a meeting with Trump's lawyers that they they had no collusion uh, evidence and they weren't pursuing it anymore. But he refused to tell the American public. He refused to file an interim report. And for another year, the witch hunt continued. So if we had legitimate news media in this country, if the New York Times and uh, Chuck Todd, everybody were legitimate, uh, wouldn't they, when they have Adam Schiff on, say, you know, you said, uh, why is a private citizen like Rudy Giuliani working on foreign policy? Every president did that, from Sidney Blumenthal to Vernon Jordan. All these guys were doing But is it the fact that the media keeps quiet about all that, that what, what enables Schiff and these people? Uh, of course. You know, the media is driven by not only their their bias, um, but, but their hatred of Trump. And, 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 you know, they wear it on their sleeve. They're spiteful. They're vindictive. And their stories are, you know, sort of a retaliation uh, for all the criticism that Trump levels at them for being unfair. And he's right. And, and they also hate it that he goes over their heads to the American people uh, in tweets and, you know, holding rallies. Uh, so, you know, the, the media in my book, I devote an entire chapter called The Media Witch Hunt. And I name names of journalists and the stories they got wrong. Uh, and, you know, their enmity toward bias blinded them to the truth and allowed them to become part of, of the witch hunt. And, it, you know, again, it was all based on a hoax, on a lie. So if Donald Trump Jr., and he said this, if he were getting paid $1,000 from a company overseas, obviously the New York Times and Washington Post would send a dozen reporters to camp out on his lawn. Teams would be investigating this company. How do, how do they get away with no investigation of Hunter Biden? Nobody's ever said to him, how did you get the job? Tell us exactly what you did. How do they get away with this? Well, you know, they get away, they've gotten away with it for so long because they all live in an echo chamber and they repeat each other and, you know, whether it's an express or implied, uh, you know, conspiracy to not tell the truth, um, people can draw their own conclusion. But, you know, it, it, their bias and hatred infects not only the stories that they uh, choose to report, but the way they tell those stories. And all you have to do is open uh, any day the New York Times, and, you know, it's story after story after story that's all anti-Trump. Hmm. And, you know, and it probably, you know, will never end. And it began before, you know, the president um, even, you know, rode over in the motorcade to the White House the day of his inauguration when the Washington Post, you know, printed a big story. The impeachment of Donald Trump is underway. This is a president who has been under siege like no other president before. And it continues to this day with... Adam Schiff and and a unilateral decision by Nancy Pelosi to launch an impeachment inquiry um, without even bothering to look at the evidence. She announced it before she read the transcript of the conversation, which shows no quid pro quo, no demand, no pressure, no condition, nothing. 
the Department of Justice Criminal Division looked at the official record of the conversation and said, uh, no crime here. This isn't even intelligence uh, matters. This is diplomatic activity. So uh, Watergate, uh, any impeachment attempt is about blocking an investigation, Iran-Contra, Whitewater. It's about trying to stop an investigation. In all your legal career years, have you ever seen anybody get in trouble for calling for an investigation? No. You know, um, and the president had every every right to do so. You know, we have this treaty, uh, Mutual Legal, Legal Assistance in Criminal Matters Treaty with Ukraine. They're obligated to do what the president was asking them to do. Um, and, you know, and it was Bill Barr, the attorney general, who said to the president, please make introductions uh, with foreign leaders in the following countries because um, this is part of my official Department of Justice investigation into meddling in the 2016 election. So th- this is perfectly normal. Uh, as, as I've argued, it would actually be a dereliction of duty on the part of the president if he didn't do this. He, under the take care clause of the Constitution, he's duty bound to make sure that the laws are enforced. And this is a law enforcement investigation. Now, what about Joe Biden? Look, if the president has uh, reason to believe that an elected public official may have committed a corrupt act, um, again, he's duty bound to say to that foreign government, if you have evidence, please turn it over. So, you know, did Joe Biden commit a corrupt act? We don't know. We don't know his intent. But I can tell you that the prosecutor in Ukraine that he uh, made sure was fired is on record uh, saying, among others, to the Washington Post, he was fired because he was investigating Hunter Biden. Yeah. We only got like like a minute left. Uh, The the idea that uh, Schiff holds these uh, witnesses and they have secret testimony, they hold it in a skiff, has that ever been done before with testimony? Never. Um, And the Supreme Court has said that uh, due process rights apply to congressional investigations. That would include an impeachment investigation. But all of this is in violation of the protections of the due process clause, secret hearings, witness intimidation, no right to call witnesses. Uh, You know, cross-examination is pretty limited. I mean, these are fundamental rights we cherish in the Due Process Clause, part of our Bill of Rights, and it is being uh, ignored with impunity, and Americans are smart. They know that this is wrong and unfair. Hmm. Well, everybody get the new book, Witch Hunt. Highly recommended. It's Greg, Bar- uh, Greg Jarrett's latest bestseller, Witch Hunt. Uh, you got to read this book, and uh, you can watch Greg Jarrett, of course, Fox News Channel, and, and thanks for being with us. Mark, always great talking to you. Thanks. All right. Take care. Uh, and by the way, Sean will be on tonight, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, Fox News Channel. Uh, Hannity tonight. Don't miss it. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. I'm as surprised as you are. I didn't expect to be here today, but it's a long story. But uh, Sean will be on TV tonight. Hannity uh, uh, on as usual tonight at uh, 9 o'clock. So the uh, big development of today is uh, they were having... They ha- they're having this fake impeachment, this pretend uh, half an uh, attempt at almost an impeachment inquiry, and they haven't voted it in as an actual inquiry, as an actual formal proceeding. The reason for that is once you vote it in, all sorts of rules 
and protections kick in. Uh, people are allowed to bring lawyers, and uh, the Republicans on the committee are allowed to also call witnesses. So then it becomes very fair and balanced. They don't want that, so they haven't voted it in. So it's uh, Adam Schiff. Uh, you, you know, when you say the president is battling, uh, he's only battling half a committee, just the Democrats on this one committee. And it's not an official proceeding in any way. So Adam Schiff is doing secret testimonies, secret witnesses, and now it's taken it a step further. He's doing it in what they call a skiff. In the Capitol building, there's a couple of these rooms. It's where you usually go to view the most top secret documents. A skiff is a the most secure room in the Capitol. Uh, now, you would just call this the most secure room in the Capitol. You would call this the top secret room, but it's called the skiff, which actually stands for uh, sensitive... Uh, I, that, that's how bad these words are. I can't even remember what the heck it stands for. Sensitive uh, information. No, what does C? The C stands for something. Oh, it's sensitive compartmentalized information facility. <laughs> they just can't call it the top secret room. So this is unheard of to do it in that room. Uh, the reason is they don't want anything to leak out. Why the secrecy? Because none of the testimony is too damaging, and it doesn't. Uh, there's no testimony that's going to hurt Donald Trump in the end. So that's why they keep it secret. If there was anything that would hurt President Trump, they would release it immediately to the New York Times. They'd leak it to the Washington Post. So uh, Republicans stormed the skiff, led by Matt Gates. Thirty Republicans went down there, demanded to be let in, see what's going on. Now, the argument against it is, well, you can't bring a phone or any electronic device into a skiff. They had their phones. They had everything on them. But on the other hand, nothing is going on in the skiff. There's not any top-secret documents in there. There's just a witness testimony. And it's these phony baloney witnesses that uh, Adam Schiff has called in. Uh, at that moment, testifying was Deputy Assistant Defense Secretary Laura Cooper. I guarantee you this is some deep state bureaucrat been there through one administration after the other. She sat down to testify. Republicans rushed through the room's three doors. Uh, there was a lot of yelling and screaming. Uh, a Democrat said, the closest thing I've seen around here to mass civil unrest. <laughs> this is one, uh, a Republican showed up. That's civil unrest in the skiff. So I don't know what will come of this uh, at some point, if we had actual working news media, none of this would be allowed to go on. They'd be all over shift demanding to know why he's doing this in secret. Why doesn't he vote it in so that people can have attorneys, so that the Republicans uh, can keep an eye on things, all of this stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention Hunter Biden. Uh, if this were anybody else, every news organization would be demanding to know how would you get the job, exactly what did you do? They deliberately don't investigate. That's why they can say, without evidence, there's no evidence of wrongdoing because there's no investigation. Reuters, which is a foreign news service, finally looked into it. What did Hunter Biden exactly do for the Ukrainian company? Reuters found out that during the entire time he worked there, he never once set foot in the Ukraine. He was never there, never went to a meeting, never did anything, and collected a total of $8 million on a no-show job. Sounds like something you need to investigate. I think so. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Hey, follow me on Instagram, Mark Simone NYC at Instagram, uh, or Twitter, or all of that. Back in a moment on the Sean Hannity Show. 
Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Uh, surprise guest host, Mark Simone. It was a surprise to me. <laughs> I got to move. I live too close to the studio. <laughs> move far away so I don't get these last-minute calls. But uh, normally I'd be listening. I'd be home listening. So I figured i listen to the show anyway. I can come here and listen to the show. Uh, but then I found out I got to talk, too. So, uh, But we got some great guests. Steve Moore is uh, the three best economists on earth. Larry Kudlow. Uh, Art Laffer, Steve Moore, they've been advising President Trump from the beginning, and they've all worked together on a great book that you should get called Trumponomics. It is an excellent book, Trumponomics. And uh, with us right now, the author, Steve Moore. He's also a, uh, a senior fellow, Heritage Foundation, great columnist. Steve Moore, how you doing? Hi, Mark. Great to be with you. I'm doing wonderful. And the economy, the best ever, phenomenal economy, uh, what do you, what do you think? I mean, there are plenty of people. You watch that crazy CNBC. Uh, you know they keep saying well, when an economy like this, a recession is due at any moment. Even Jamie Dimon, I was shocked. A uh, very uh, highly respected J.P. Morgan Chase chairman said a, a, a recession is coming at some point. What do we think? Well, no. I mean, look, uh, there, there's always a chance at any time point in time. There's always a chance of a recession. But you know, I look at the economy today. I see the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, Mark. Uh, think about that. The lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, the lowest inflation rate in 50 years, the lowest interest rates in 50 years, the biggest wage gains in 30 years. I mean, what's not to like about this picture? It's an, it's an incredible economy that we're looking at right now. And, um, you know, we have 7 million surplus jobs. So, and by, by the way, you know, you and I talked on your show in New York uh, last week about how the, the fact that we've got now, uh, you know, average middle-income workers have gained $5,000 in, in take-home pay since Trump came into office. That's a gigantic increase, and it compares with about $1,500 under, under, um, under Trump. You know, I mean, under Obama. Yeah, that's an important point because the Democratic philosophy always is, you know, people aren't getting paid enough. We've got to raise minimum wage. We've got to raise. But uh, when people like you do this stuff, you create so many jobs, It it that brings up, it's a shortage of workers, and that makes companies pay more money. Uh, why don't the Democrats problem, see that? Yeah. The biggest problem with the economy right now is there's not enough workers to fill all the jo- uh, jobs. I mean, that's what I hear from employers. You know, we have job openings. We can't find skilled and competent people to fill the jobs. And that's an indictment also of our education system that we're graduating kids from high school and college who don't know how to, uh, you know, how to do anything of any, any use. You know, they have uh, psychology degrees and sociology degrees. And, uh, but, you know, it's a, it's, if you're a worker looking for a job and you have a skill, this is the best economy in 50 years. And, and so, no, I don't see a recession. I think a lot of the people are talking about a recession. Other people are hoping for a recession. They want a recession to happen because they believe that, um, you know, that will uh, mean that Donald Trump doesn't get reelected. So they're willing to have millions of people lose their jobs so they can retake political power. Yeah. And, you know, you guys deserve extra credit because in the last two years, uh, I, I would imagine a lot of the jobs were lost due to automation, due to digital, due to all of that stuff. So to increase yeah. jobs in that type of technology, it's a miracle that you did this. You know, it's a great point. Everybody said, oh, my gosh, we're not going to have any jobs left. You know, the robots and the automation and these driverless cars and so on are going to, you know, cause uh, everybody to lose their jobs. And yet here we are today in 2019 with uh, with 7 million surplus jobs. So we're not running out of jobs. So we just need to make sure that the people we have have the skills and talents to fill the jobs. We've got to make sure that when we give welfare benefits to people that they have to work 
you know, in exchange for those benefits. We don't want people to go hungry or homeless or, you know, without income, but, you know, you have to earn the income. And, you know, so I, I like the direction of the economy. The thing that worries me, Mark, quite frankly, is when I listen to Elizabeth Warren and, and Joe Biden and, and Bernie Sanders talking about socializing our economy. We're going to soak the rich and sack it to the rich, and we're going to redistribute income. We're going to give everything, everything they want for free. You know, that's not an economic <laughs> that's not an economic growth agenda, Mark. That's a that's an agenda based on greed and envy. Yeah. You know, uh, when you hear these uh, uh, crazy liberals on the air saying uh, income inequality and the idea that one guy could have $50 billion or Bezos could have $100 billion or a hedge fund guy could make $10 billion a year. I mean, you know, these jobs are open to anybody. It's not like it's a clo- – you can do that too if you want. Just go out and start a business. Well, you know, we have 27 million small businesses in this country that they're the men and women who run the businesses that are the spinal cord of our economy. We gave them a tax cut, you know, Mark, that they were a big part of our tax plan. And, you know, look, the fact that I'm proud of the fact that we have Google and we have Amazon and we have Netflix and we have Apple, that they're American companies. I mean, did these liberals? Did we lose you? In Europe, oh, no. We want these to be American companies. I, I love the fact that they're successful. And by the way, I, I'm an investor of two smart startup companies, and we hope one day that uh, Amazon or Google buys us out. You know, that's why people start businesses. Yeah, you know, it's not like these guys were born into some special royal family, and that's why they, they these are just regular people who started businesses in their garage. That's, that's how Apple started. That's how Amazon started in in, in a garage, literally. So yeah, you know what we call that, Mark? They call that the American dream. Yeah. And somehow now, if you've achieved the American dream, you're somehow a villain. Uh, look, I don't like Jeff Zuckerberg's politics. I'm a conservative, and he's pretty liberal. But, you know, the fact is he built, built Facebook. Nobody puts a gun to your head, Mark, and says you have to have a Facebook account, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I don't have one because I don't agree with Facebook, but I would never deny people the right to have a Facebook account. And, you know, people say, oh, Google's, you know, you know, a monopoly. Come on. Google, when I first job in Washington, was working in the Library of Congress, finding all this data it would take me days and days to find this stuff. Now I can find this on Google in about seven seconds, and they don't charge me a thing. How is that a monopoly? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you mentioned Elizabeth Warren. How do you explain this phenomenon? There were always some crazy socialist candidate in 19th place, but Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, at the top of the pack in the Democratic world, how did we ever get to a place like that? Gosh, that's a good question. I mean, and it pains me. I think it's, it's, it's really troubling that we have, you know, one of the two major parties in the uh, United States of America that has turned so radical, radically liberal. So I'm, I'm not pleased about that. I think that Partly, you know, young people believe that prosperity is just the natural course of events, and we can raise taxes to 70 and 80 and 90 percent, and we can have regulations, and we can break up companies, and we can give everybody everything for free. And then, of course, that's a recipe for social chaos and economic disaster. But, you know, I think, Mark, you and I, and we allowed the left to take over our schools you know, 40 years ago, and now we're paying a high price for our kids being indoctrinated with economically lunatic ideas. I mean, you know, you look at somebody like Alexandria Corsia Cortez, you know, she's not a stupid person. She's just regurgitating what the government schools have taught her since she was in the kindergarten. Boy. And, and take back our schools, folks. We got to get kids understanding that America is the greatest country in the world, that uh, it's a result of you know, hard work. 
Yeah, you know, that's a really important point that nobody pays much attention to. Uh, when the schools went totally liberal, crazy, far-left college professors, uh, we just raised a couple of generations of nutty socialists and uh, far-left uh, uh, kids, and we're pay- you're right, we're paying the price for that for years. It's like... Uh, it's of our economy, just like Henry yeah, so you got generations that are all just a bunch of nutty Chuck Todds. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not the... Oh, we're losing your phone there, your connection. But uh, everybody gets Steve they, Moore's... Uh, as soon as they actually get a, a, you know, they get into the real economy, I think that they will realize, uh, you know, the errors of their way. So, um, you know, I, 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 I have nothing but confidence in the future of this country. I think the American people understand that it is the free enterprise system and freedom that that uh, gave us this amazing economy and every time i give a talk by the way and i talk to people who are um you know um from foreign you know deep countries you know from east germany and places like czechoslovakia and places like cuba and they say hey i came to this country for freedom and free <laughs> enterprise and now these young kids are trying to take it away from me here in the united states yeah so well steve moore thanks for being with us it's a great book it's called trumponomics you should read that uh also go to the heritage foundation you can see steve moore's columns keep up the great work thanks for the great economy and uh, the part you played in it and steve moore thanks for being with us all right mark all we have to do now is get trump reelected. Okay? all right I, we'll do it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that tough. But thanks for being with us. Uh, I, nobody can answer this question. It's fascinating. You know, you, I got my new iPhone 11 Pro Max. The picture quality on this is unbelievable. A billion million pixels. I can watch video. The video is so clear. How come you can't get a clear phone call? You'd think they could invent everything. This phone can do a billion things except have a clear phone call. You'd think. I mean, look at this radio studio. We're going to have the clearest signal you've ever heard. Uh, you'd think they could invent a cell tower with a perfect clear signal. It is 2019, isn't it? Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. Normally, I'm on in New York on our big flagship station, WOR, uh, from uh, 10 to noon every day. But uh, uh, I got done with my show. I had a lot of stuff to do, appointments. And all. And then I finally got home. I said, let me just rest for a second. The phone rings, and I look at the caller ID, and it says, Linda... And I said, this is not going to be uh, just a friendly little chit-chat. Uh, so, uh, be nice. Yeah. Stop being mean. That's where the first thing I heard. Where are you? <laughs> well, I'm not far away. Get over here. So, uh, But Sean will be on TV tonight. Hannity uh, will be on as usual at 9 o'clock on the Fox News channel. Uh, this impeachment. Now, it looks like they're making this up as they go along. But there's some people that think that this is an incredible plot that they have laid out. You know, when is this going to uh, wrap up? They're talking about, remember they were talking Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving will wrap up. Now it looks like Thanksgiving or Christmas. Uh, when's Thanksgiving? That's like a month from now, right? That's at least a month. What the hell are they going to do for four weeks? Talk to these secret witnesses for four weeks? So Christmas, it's like two months. Now, uh, every expert, and sometimes they're wrong, but every expert is convinced there will be an impeachment that they've gone too far to stop or to back down or to not do it, that they would look too silly uh, if they don't do it. So every well, these experts think definitely impeachment. Now, what that means is it goes to trial in the Senate. Now, if it goes to trial in the Senate, every single senator becomes the uh, jurors. Uh, there'll be a trial. And here's I didn't realize this. Now, you're sure about this, right? If there's a trial in the Senate, all the senators are the jurors. They have to conduct the trial. 
during this period, they are not allowed to campaign. They cannot go on the campaign trail, and they can't even make speeches? Yeah, they're not. So they're very limited. They're not allowed to speak. They have to sit there six days a week and listen to the witnesses and listen to everything, and they're not supposed to speak. They can't go on television. I mean, they're known to break rules, but according to articles, they are not allowed to speak. You're telling me that a senator has to say to Chuck Todd, I can't come on on Sunday, (laughs) that when Anderson Cooper calls, they have to say, I can't do it. (laughs) Now, impeachments take, uh, Clinton's took five weeks. This is Trump. This will be four months. Chuck Schumer can't do his fake Sunday press conference. Uh, I think Sundays are open, so maybe they can speak on Sundays. But technically, as a juror, you're not supposed to comment on the case. Yeah. So. Uh, you're telling me Nancy Pelosi can't do her little uh, morning press conference where she says, <laughs> with that uh, that uh, uh, spraying, uh, you need a windshield when you talk to her. So I don't know. Uh, now, oh, here's the problem. You got Bernie. Look how many candidates are senators. Bernie Sanders is a senator. Uh, Klobuchar. Elizabeth Warren is a senator. Booker's a senator. Kamala Harris is a senator. That means they would, by law, would have to come off the campaign trail for at least a month, maybe a few months. Uh, did they think about it? Maybe they did. Maybe it's some kind of plot. Uh, maybe it's to get them off the campaign trail, leave the uh, primary season open to just Biden alone. Or a governor could step in at that point. You never know with these maniacs what they're plotting or who's behind all of this. You know, you look at Schiff and uh, Pelosi, they look like a couple of bird brains who don't really know any, But you never know. There could be a George Soros pulling the strings on all of this, figuring out this master plan. You know, the donors love Biden. And you're saying... Hey, he looks confused. He looks dumb. He looks crooked. <laughs> and no wonder the donors love Biden. So maybe it's a plot to get all these senators off the trail. We'll see. we got another hour to go. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. Hey, follow me on Instagram, Mark Simone NYC Instagram, Mark Simone NY Twitter. Another hour to go. Mark here for Sean Hannity. Oh, <laughs> I did it again. That's the second time. This is so confusing. You've been dipping into the peppermint schnapps again. You see, uh, when I'm on WOR, you break when you break. That's it. This is a network show. There's 650 stations. So you can't just go to the commercial. It has to be at 5612, 2952, uh, all of that. But I hear music playing. That's usually a good sign. Yes, it is. (laughs) Whenever you hear that music, it means I'm reasonably close. Not just in your head. Somewhere close. You notice I'm stalling a little here. Oh, Facebook. This lunatic, Mark Zuckerberg, testified today. Uh, What is he really up to? What's really going to happen? We'll talk to an expert uh, coming up right after the break. Mark Simone here for Sean. Hey, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, Sean will be back tomorrow. He'll be on TV tonight. Hannity will be on, as usual, on the uh, Fox News channel. Uh, Normally, I'm on here in uh, New York. Uh, on our big flagship station, WOR, I'm on from 10 to noon. Uh, th- that means two hours. Uh, this is three hours. This is the first three-hour show I've done in a long time. Uh, but we got a great guest, uh, Derek Hunter. He's the author of Outrage Incorporated, How the Liberal Mob Ruined Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. And they're just getting started. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter, too. It's uh, Derek A. Hunter at Twitter. Derek Hunter, how you doing? 
I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Very good. So this uh, Mark Zuckerberg testimony today, uh, what do you think? He he didn't seem to impress anybody in that testimony. He didn't seem to know what was going on. Half the time the questions were, he he was asked a series of questions about his support for the Patriot Act, which, you know, I don't know about, I don't think it's been in the news for about a decade. But he, he sat there because he hired a lawyer who worked on the Patriot Act back in 2002. He was now being questioned by Ayanna Presley, a member of the Gang of Four, the squad, out there about whether or not he really truly had a commitment to freedom. It was bizarre. It was, I mean, I'm used to posturing when you've got members of Congress and a highly watched public hearing, but this one took it to a new level. It 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 was fun. And what does the deal with him? Is that does he just play dumb sometimes, or is he just a uh, techno, you know, technical coding guy who can't really uh, be articulate? He's just better with coding than talking. Is that what it is? Well, I think he's clearly better with machines than he is with people. But when you have more money than probably eighty percent of the countries on the planet, there aren't a whole lot of people who challenge you in your daily life. So when he comes up against it, he's only thirty-five years old. It's it's got to be a little bit of a shock, you know. When you, when you, if you had gone, take any professional athlete who's making tens of millions of dollars a year, they don't hear the word no very often. Actors the same way, they're, and they're confused by it. They react differently. When Mark Zuckerberg walks around Facebook, they think that he can't take a bath because he doesn't sink in water. So <laughs> when he goes up on Congress and is being berated by people who know that they're hoping to get, you know, B-roll for their local newscast and putting on a show standing up to the big evil Facebook, I, I think that's a completely new world that he experiences once every year when he testifies before Congress. So I think I think that's a huge part of it. You know, all this stuff that started up from uh, Google to Facebook to Twitter to all these things, they grew into such multi-zillion dollar companies. Uh, you know, people don't stop and realize Unlike every other company, uh, they were operating without unions, without any real regulations, without any problem with government. Uh, so, uh, is it that just they're just naive? They've never had to deal with this kind of stuff in their life. Well, that's true for most of the internet, and thank God the government wasn't involved in regulating the internet. Could you imagine how it would be like? You somehow find a way to make your internet like the DMV, <laughs> just ruin the whole thing. Uh, no, they. If you remember back in the 90s, Microsoft existed. They said, we're in in Washington state. We don't have anything to do with Washington, D.C. The Democrats noticed that they weren't really ponying up for, you know, the the cause in political contributions. And the next thing you know, the Justice Department came sniffing around with an antitrust case. Then Microsoft opened a pretty, which has grown into a pretty substantial operation in Washington, D.C., and suddenly their problems went away. It's great, and I think most people who work in computers in the tech industry, while they're very liberal socially, they mostly have a libertarian attitude towards government regulation because they started their companies in their garage or their dorm room or whatever, and they grew it into these multi-million or billion-dollar enterprises. But they don't seem to realize that sooner or later that big government blob that they're in support of absorbing everything else will come after them. Frankenstein's monster always returns to the castle and burns it down. And now they're getting a dose of their own medicine, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey from from Twitter. When they're called up there, 
I think they're shocked because they're saying, wait a second, we're on the same team. And, and loyalty in Washington, D.C., particularly among Democrats, is situational. It's whether or not you, how you can be used. And while Mark Zuckerberg is a liberal and the people who work at Facebook donate to Democrats and they're, they're down with the cause, they're also rich. And Democrats right now need to demonize the rich, even though they're mostly rich. And so that's, you know, how they're treated. They should, they feel as though they should be treated sort of with high fives. And, yeah, we're all on the same team. Let's do this thing. But suddenly they realize that thanks to intersectional politics and the, the victimhood food pyramid that the left constructs and rebuilds, depending on what's going on at any given moment, that just because you're on the team doesn't mean you can't also be the enemy. Hmm. Hey, so uh, just like the TV networks, all of this uh, Facebook, Twitter, social media, incredibly biased, very liberal bias. Uh, and, and, is, yeah. and, and if you talk to the people who run these companies, they claim it's not them that when you hire 30,000 people and they're all 30,000 liberal millennials, that's what's going to happen. And they, 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 even uh, Dorsey sometimes at Twitter claims he's nothing he can do. He can't control it. Is that reasonable? It's somewhat reasonable, Mark. But one of the things that you, you got to realize, particularly about Twitter, is a lot of the left-wing organizations have this army of flying monkeys that they can dispatch at a moment's notice. So while I don't think it is that, because I've been you know temporarily suspended on Twitter because of my charming tweets, <laughs> uh, it's it's not that the the employees sitting out in Silicon Valley are monitoring conservatives. It is well, there's part of that if you become prominent enough, but it's that. The organizations that create outrage, the fascists like at Media Matters or something like that, if they stick their flying monkey army on somebody, then all of these bots and all of these left-wing drones go out and report tweets, report users. And then suddenly there's this – see, conservatives don't act like a hive mind. We're individuals. The left is a hive mind. So when the call goes out, report this, report Mark Simone's tweet right here – Suddenly, thousands of people who don't follow you are now reporting that tweet saying it's horrible and you must be banned from Twitter. And the automa- I suspect the automatic sort of, whoa, pumping the brakes setup that they have at Twitter kicks in. Yeah. And then you get the notification. You've got to explain yourself or delete this tweet. And I, I don't think it is somebody in Twitter sitting in their basement monitoring Mark Simone as much as it is the army of flying monkeys being sicked on Mark Simone and then that just kicking down the first domino that leads to everything else. Uh, Well, I'm very well behaved on Twitter, but (laughs) I do get shadow banned. You know, I check my analytics really uh, carefully all the time. I see how many people are seeing each tweet. And then all like uh, this week, I started picking on Biden a lot. And it was all of a sudden, all of a sudden, only one-tenth as many impressions. It, obviously, somebody hit the brakes on my Twitter account. Oh, I have no doubt that that is happening, and it's happening to me. For the last two months, I have been stuck at 51,700 followers. Now, I haven't even lost anybody, which the way I tweet, it does offend people. So I know it's impossible that I haven't lost people. But somehow I've been frozen in time, and my, my engagements are well down. That's well documented. I love how... when. Someone like Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, goes up to Capitol Hill or gives an interview and says, we're working on the problem. How hard is it to just go, you're kinking the hose, all right? Unkink the hose and the water will flow. The beautiful thing about Twitter is if you don't want to give somebody the satisfaction of blocking them, 
they have a mute feature, yeah. which allows them to still get enraged that you exist, but you don't have to hear about it. That would be enough for 99% of adults. We used to have this philosophy in the country of live and let live. Now that's dead. We used to also believe that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Now names are violence, and you must celebrate how I live, no matter how you feel about it, no matter what you think about it. Just leaving me alone isn't good enough, and that is creeping into the digital world, and I fear that it's, it's going to metastasize throughout the rest of society before too long. Yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned they, uh, sometimes they don't block you, but what they do is they make sure you can never have any more followers. You can never, I've been frozen at a number for uh, a year. You know, Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., posted his analytics. He had something like 65 million people look at his Twitter account in the last month, but not, he didn't get a single new follower, which of course is impossible. So obviously they're, they're deliberately doing it. Hey, by- Even people just accidentally hitting the follow button <laughs> while trying to go, ooh, close this. It's going to change that number, but my number hasn't changed in two months. All right, so just to annoy the hell out of Twitter, everybody follow me, Mark Simone, NY at Twitter, and Derek A. Hunter at Twitter. Just follow us, just to annoy the hell out of uh, Jack Dorsey and Twitter. Right. It's annoy a billionaire today. <laughs> follow me and Mark on Twitter. You know, it's, it's a small victory, but every victory counts. All right. Well, Derek Hunter, uh, the great. It's a great book. Everybody should get the book Outrage Inc. How the Liberal Media Ruins Science Journalism in Hollywood. Derek Hunter, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mark. Have a great one. All right. Take care. Uh, it's Mark Simone, NY at Twitter. Uh, I, I don't know how you're going to ever solve this problem. You know, you can, these uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're all too big now. You can never develop a competitor. Well, it's the Sean Hannity. Hey, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. 1-800-941-SEAN is the number. Let's take some calls. Let's go to uh, Chuck in Ohio. Chuck, how you doing? Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, Mark. How are you today? Good. Uh, my question, my qu- I'd like to bring forth a little bit of uh, something that's not been spoken of. It's called tax dollars being recycled to Joe Biden's family via Amtrak. Amtrak receives subsidies of over a billion dollars a year. I'd like to know via Amtrak's emails, was it politically motivated slash also known as funding motivated to hire Hunter Biden and put him on the board of Amtrak, which he admitted to during that interview. And what did he know as far as transportation and or locomotives and or trains? Well, in his defense, there was a good reason to hire him. At the time, uh, there were a couple of bills that needed uh, Amtrak needed passed. And the, his uh, father yeah. was, uh, you know, this is an amazing kid, this Hunter Biden. Uh, when he first got out of college, he gets a job on the board of directors of MasterCard. You know, Master Charge. Uh, they're located in Delaware. And guess who the senator from Delaware was? Joe Biden. And there was a exactly. bankruptcy bill. Uh, I forget uh, what exactly was in that bankruptcy bill. But it had gone the wrong way. It would have screwed up master charge. So uh, they put Hunter Biden on the board of directors. And guess what? They got the bill passed the way they what? wanted. And uh, Well, they- here's the thing, though, Mark. Uh, the, the, I, I can understand that. But what I take offense to is my federal tax dollars going to Amtrak for a pit stop, and then into Hunter Biden's pocket, Joe Biden's family member, as a subsidy or a payoff 
Those are my tax dollars. How did they end up at, in the Biden's family account? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. It's a good point. A great point. Let's take a look at Hunter Biden, his background, his qualifications. Uh, he's thrown out of the military for drugs. He's pulled over by the police. They found a crack pipe. They found multiple driver's licenses. They found a badge. Uh, he's sleeping with his brother's widow. Uh, he's got that love child down in Louisiana or someplace. Uh, he's got an ex-wife who said he was a nightmare and he cheated her out of her money. Uh, I could go on and on, but you get the picture. So if you're looking at this, thinking about hiring, do you say, huh, this guy should go right to the board of directors. Forget a job, board of directors for this guy. (laughs) Now think about this. He gets out of, uh, I think he went to law school. Uh, he gets out of law school. His first job, he's on the board of directors of Master Charge. Then he's on the board of directors of Amtrak. Then he's on the board of directors of a Ukraine oil company. You know, most people get, uh, where, where do you start? Uh, you start as an intern. Oh, look at everybody in the room here in the control room. Everybody started as an intern, then they were an associate producer, then they're a producer. See, you guys don't know what you're doing. You should have come right in here and said, I want to be on the board of directors. No, intern now. Uh, Joe Biden's my uncle. Yeah, just Joe Biden's your uncle. Like, I started here at iHeart uh, doing 10 to noon, WOR in New York. I should have walked in there and said, I want to be on the board of directors of iHeart. Right? Here's a kid who never had a job. He's on the board of directors of five major corporations. Think about this Ukrainian oil company. You might say, well, he doesn't. what does he know about oil or energy? He doesn't even speak Ukrainian. He can't even talk to anybody. <laughs> what if he actually went to the board meeting? He wouldn't know one thing they're saying. Uh, Reuters finally did it. No American news organization would do it. Right? Reuters looked into what he actually did for the Ukrainian energy company. They have documented that in the entire time, the number of years he worked there, he never once set foot in the Ukraine. <laughs> never went there. Never did anything. Uh, he got eighty-three thousand a month, not fifty thousand. Eighty-three thousand a month plus some uh, one. $3 million payments, some other payments. The total was $8 million for a job where you don't even show up. Forget uh, Bezos or Warren Buffett. This is an American success story. <laughs> Board of directors of every major company, millions of dollars, without ever having a job ever. So, uh, we'll be back. We'll take some calls. 800-941-SEAN. Don't forget Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel. Back in a moment, Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Hey, it's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, I know it came as a surprise to me, too. But uh, Sean will be on TV tonight. Hannity, uh, as usual, 9 o'clock, Fox News Channel. He'll be back here uh, tomorrow. You know, uh, when they say the deep state, uh, some people, uh, you'll see some crazy Chuck Todd types uh, make fun of you. They'll say, about oh, deep state, there's no, you know, they, they act like it's some crazy conspiracy theory that there's a deep state. The deep state is a real thing. It's an actual thing that exists. You can actually go visit the deep state. What it means is the permanent government. In other words, a president is elected and he appoints his cabinet and the ca- each cabinet member appoints all the top people in their department. That might be 25 or 30 or 50 people. Uh, if you're the Secretary of State, you appoint all your deputy secretaries, undersecretaries, top staff people, chief of staff, sec- you know, secretaries. All, the- but then underneath that are thousands of people in the department. In other words, deep down the totem pole. Well, those people are permanent. 
They've been there through administration after administration. They don't call themselves deep state. They call themselves, they, they actually call themselves the permanent government. And I remember when Donald Trump got elected, some of them said to me, I hope he doesn't think he's just going to come in here and do what he wants. I said, well, what do you mean? Oh, there's a permanent government here. There's permanent government runs things. And if you look at the numbers uh, in these departments, you know, like this department has 14,000 employees. This department has 25,000. Department of Defense, I think it's 500,000 employees. So this is a big thing, this deep state. So Stephen Miller, who, you know, works for the president, uh, today speaking out about this. It's a real threat. You know, they always talk about President Trump, a threat to our democracy. But he points out this permanent government might be something we have to look at and change. Uh, it's these deep staters, these permanent government people that uh, are the whistleblowers. You know, normally uh, you'd say, well, whistleblower is a good thing. Not when it's trying to just uh, uh, launch a coup and overthrow a president. You remember, I don't know, you know, nobody talks about this. President Obama had eight whistleblowers during his eight years. And what did he do with the eight whistleblowers? He arrested each one of them and prosecuted them (laughs) for spying. (laughs) uh, I I don't hear Chuck Todd mentioning that ever. But this permanent government, who was it the other day? Oh, Steny Hoyer. You remember they had that meeting with Pelosi and Schumer and Steny Hoyer, and they thought the president was rude, or so they claimed, and they walked out of the meeting. Steny Hoyer said to the reporters, I've served under six presidents, and I've never been treated like that. He didn't realize what he was saying. You're not supposed to serve under six presidents. Serve a few years and leave. Go home. You know, that was the idea. The founding fathers thought you'd be, uh, you know, citizen legislators. You'd come from the the heartland of the country and serve for a few years and go home. Not be some, you know, old bureaucratic Steny Hoyer. I've served under six presidents. Hey, two presidents, maybe. Then leave. Look at this Chuck Schumer, this useless bureaucrat with his Ben Franklin glasses and his gloomy manner. And this Nancy Pelosi, how old is she now? She's in her 80s. Still there going, (laughs) go home already. Hey, on my Twitter account, I have a clip. This is how bad it is. It's. Do you remember Johnny Carson? He was the greatest late-night host ever. This is 30 years ago. You can go on my Twitter and see this clip. It's 30 years ago. This Johnny Carson always did a monologue making fun of politicians. 30 years ago, he's making jokes about how corrupt Joe Biden is. This is 1989. He's making jokes about uh, how Joe Biden got caught lying 30 years later, the guy's running for president. You can't get rid of these people. It's awful. You can never get rid of them. So something's got to be done about this. Uh, Term limits, except they're the ones who would have to pass it. Not going to happen. Constitutional amendment. I don't know if you could ever get it done. Hopefully, uh, well, the president will get reelected. He'll win 42, 43 states in November of 2020. Hopefully, that's on the agenda for term two. Put in term limits for Congress. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, Hillary Clinton. I don't know what's going on with this crazy woman. Uh, (laughs) Again, talk about can't get rid of. Uh, It's it's like herpes. It keeps coming back. It never goes away. (laughs) Uh, Democrats agree with me on this. 
Democrats are up nights trying to figure out how to get rid of this woman. This is not okay. Oh, God. She makes Elizabeth Warren look like fun. This Hillary Clinton, uh, supposedly, she and her daughter were writing a book. In the beginning, it looked like eh, she's trying to help her daughter with this book. So they go on a little book tour. It's pretty clear now. She's lurking around waiting for uh, Biden to get out of the way. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. Yeah, so uh, you thought you were done with her. She's coming back. You're not going to get rid of her. Uh, so this is a, talk about pure permanent government. Talk. Oh, you have the Johnny Carson clip. Oh, okay. This is thirty years ago. Listen to this. Now, on, on the political scene, uh, one of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech, and apparently, he quoted a I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him. And then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby. And Biden says, not to worry. He reassured his staff. He said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Hey, I don't know if you remember this, but he uh, he was running for president, got caught plagiarizing a speech. He at one point wrote a very touching apology, which got printed, I think, in The New York Times. Then they found out he plagiarized the apology. And I don't know if you remember this. When he first was in politics, he first term, he talked about how he went to, uh, he was so proud he went to, wherever he went to school, on a f- full scholarship and he graduated top in his class. Well, they found out he was like in 95th place in his class. He was at the bottom and he never got a full scholarship. He's just lying. This is 30 years ago. Or oh, actually, this is 35, 40 years ago. He's still lying. Here's the New York Times this is how even the New York Times. This is an op-ed piece. It's a New York Times op-ed piece about we got to get rid of them. Uh, but it says, "Oh, it says they are not the resistance. They are not a cabal. They are patriotic public servants." Okay, for the first four years, then go home. Look at this Chuck Schumer. This is uh, <laughs> you're not supposed to be there. Forty years later, you can't get rid of the guy. You know they just they're going to stay there till they're dead. Look at these eighty-five-year-olds. Uh, in office. You're going to have to just take them out on stretchers. It's awful. Anyway, let's take a call or two. Uh, let's go to, uh, who should we take? Let's go to Michigan and say hello to Chris. Chris, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for taking my call, Mark. Hey, uh, you know, it's so good to see uh, Mitt Romney being called by his real name of Pierre Delecto, but I think it's time that we call Adam Schiff by his middle name, Fuloff. Adam Fuller, Chef. Hey, 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 this is a family show here. Be careful. No, I said Chef. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, and his dirty band of nose growers instead of whistleblowers, because all they do is lie, lie, lie. And I'll tell you what, uh, us people here in Michigan, or I'm speaking for the majority in the last presidential election, we're all in on Trump, and, and we're going to be out and sound the drums for him. So. Where are you in Michigan? Grand Rapids area. Oh, okay. Now, that's a good... Uh, idea of which way Michigan's going to go. That's like a nice cross-section. So what, so what do you think? What do you hear from uh, people in Grand Rapids? Well, I think you've got a lot of conservative people out there that are quiet about it, and they come out. We, we went to a couple of the Trump rallies here when he had them, and there's tons of enthusiasm for, for our president, but it, it can never be enough. You know, we've got to keep sounding it with the competition we have with the universities that constantly are trying to neutralize that that voice and build up their 
the left-wing agenda. So. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Good call, Chris. You know, you uh, see these Trump rallies. He's hysterical. He, it's like going to a comedy concert. He's the funniest guy in the world. He does. He watches these rallies. He does an hour and a half, two hours without blinking. You ever see these Biden rallies? It's 80 people. He does five minutes, and even that's a struggle. And then you don't see him. It's like Hillary. He does a little speech. Then you don't see him for two weeks. He's got to rest up. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what the Democrats are thinking with Biden. Uh, and if I were them, I'd cancel these debates. These debates, it looks like uh, just one wacky character after another. It looks like the Adams family when you're watching these debates. And I don't know, three or four of these debates, I don't know if this is helping the Democratic cause. Uh, I just wouldn't do them if I were you. Uh, just take them off the air. Just start them in January or something. So you've got um, all the uh, big primaries, Iowa, New Hampshire, North Carolina, early in the year. Once again, if the impeachment is on, if they vote impeachment and it goes to the Senate, senators are not allowed to campaign. So if you have to, you know, one thing about Iowa, New Hampshire, these kind of primaries, you got to be there. You got to be there doing events, town halls, shaking hands. If you can't be there, you can't win. Six of the candidates are senators. This would pull them off the campaign trail. Nobody's really taken a look at this and the the effect this will have on the election. So again, this could be a part of the strategy. Maybe Biden's behind this. Maybe Hillary's behind this. Uh, Biden doesn't look like he actually knows where he is right now. So, But maybe these big donors are, are behind this, pushing this, because they want Biden or they want Hillary. Donors love these two, as they'll tell you. You can wake them up in the middle of the night. They'll do anything you want. Just keep writing the checks. So um, anyway, we'll take some calls. 800-941-SEAN is the number. 800-941-SEAN. Mark Simone here for Sean. He'll be uh, on TV tonight. Hannity, as usual, tonight at 9 o'clock on the Fox News Channel. Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Uh, Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, so you ever go to a drive through window like at Starbucks, McDonald's? I hate that. To me, that's awful. You should never go to the drive through window. Park your car, get out, and walk in like a normal person. drive through window. So it's just laziness. Just lazy. I don't want to get out of the car. I don't want to walk two feet. I'll go through the drive through window. McDonald's is now working on technology where you don't even have to order. (laughs) It knows what you want. So when you pull up, it recognizes your car. It recognizes you. It knows it's like reading your phone. It knows it's you, and it analyzes all your orders, everything you've ever ordered, and it can guess what you want. So you won't have to order. This is the world we're heading into, by the way. People are getting lazier and lazier. I don't want to walk in. I'll go to the drive-thru window. I don't have to push a button and talk. I just want them to hand me my food. So they're working on this technology. It'll recognize your car as you drive in. And then when you get to the window, they'll hand you your food. Uh, This technology apparently is so sophisticated, it'll take into account the temperature. They know you like different things on a hot day, different things on a cold day. Depends what time of day, what you order. If it's morning, they'll know what you like for breakfast. This is ridiculous, but this is what's happening. Look how everybody started shopping online. Online shopping comes in uh, because "Ah, I don't want to go to the store. I just want to order it online. Next thing you know, you're buying everything online, but uh, I don't want to get my credit card and type the whole number in. So they have to invent PayPal. So You can just click. (laughs) Oh, my credit card's across the room. I don't want to go get it. I can't imagine... If you come back in 30 years 
what's going to be going on. Uh, there's going to be no phone or anything. It'll just be uh, you think it, it happens. Or uh, I, I mean, how could you get any lazier? We have time to take a call. Yeah, let's try. Uh, let's go to Allie in New Jersey. Hey, Allie. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be talking to you, Mr. New York. Really? really well, you listen to us. Too. You listen to us here in New York on WOR. When I can, yes. What do you mean when you can? <laughs> well, sometimes I'm really busy. <laughs> what could be more important? What do you mean? What are you so busy with? <laughs> Listening to the news and what's happening to our country. Oh, okay. Well, you, know, you can't say what it is. All right, go ahead. Okay, so um, my question is this. So um, when um, Joe Biden was extorting the Ukrainians, threatening to cancel their billion-dollar loan guarantees if they did not... Uh, fire the prosecutor investigating his son, and the Ukrainians said, oh, you can't do that. You don't have the authority to do that. Only uh, President Obama can do that. And Biden said, well, go call him. You got six hours if, uh, you know, if you don't fire the, the prosecutor, then you don't get the money. My question is, has anyone checked to see if the Ukrainians actually called Obama? Hey, you know, no, you know, that's a very good question. It's Biden is so dumb. Why would you confess on video what you did? And I told him you're not getting that billion dollars. They said, you can't do that. You're not the president. Oh, yeah? Call him. Why would you confess to this? I, I don't think they call. I think they took him seriously. But, uh, oh, I hate to say it. Are we out of time? Or, uh, one minute? <laughs> this again? Yeah, I don't know what it is at the end of the hour. I get confused. You know, it's at the bottom of the hour. Perfect. Time it out exactly. End of the hour? Oh, I'm like Joe Biden at the end of the hour. I don't know where I am. <laughs> Go to Mark 30330. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Joe Biden. You know, he starts off with the answer. Brilliant. One sentence. Another sentence. Brilliant. By the third sentence. Uh, I'm out word. of time. Jobs. Uh, J-O-B-S. Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think we stalled long enough. Now we're out of time. That's good. See, there's the music. There you go. Oh, I love when I hear that music. Uh, anyway, Sean will be back tomorrow, and he'll be on tonight on TV. Hannity, uh, as usual, tonight on the Fox News Channel. You can hear me on WOR here in New York. Actually, just go to the uh, iHeart app. You can hear the podcast, and make sure you follow me on Twitter, Mark Simone NY at Twitter, or uh, Instagram, Mark Simone NYC there. And, of course, Hannity.com, uh, all kinds of great stuff there. And don't forget, watch Hannity tonight, 9 o'clock, the Fox News Channel.